Why, hello there. Well, I've taken a much needed break from the podcast scene, but I'm now firmly back in the recording seat, back in the studio, recording some exciting episodes for you. Now, before we get into this episode this week, I just wanted to let you know that myself and Tej are running a very, very special weekend training course, which concentrates on flipping property and in particular flipping a property in London. Now if you want to find out more about this course you can reach out to myself or Tej just DM either one of us through Instagram and we can provide you with some more information on this course. Now this is a paid for course it's going to be an exciting course with lots of informative information and it's linked with a live site so whatever you're taught in the classroom will be reinforced on site and you'll be shown everything that we speak about. Simply register and I hope to see you there. Do enjoy this week's episode And as always, please do leave me a review at Apple Podcast or on the Facebook page. Thank you. Welcome to the J2 Hub Podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Hello and welcome to two guys and, and some microphones because uh, we have been evicted and it takes six months. UK government, take notes. Uh, we are no longer the property duo, um, RIP to our property duo, because um, the name was trademarked. Isn't it right, James? It was, yeah. Sadly, somebody went and trademarked it. Well, not so sadly because they had it before us, but some bright spark didn't check. Yeah. So um, people, <laughs> trademark your stuff. Uh, but lessons learned, lessons learned. We are just now the duo, maybe. I don't know if that's yeah. too close. Um, <laughs> the duo, no TM at the moment. And, uh, you know, we haven't done a podcast, James, in six months. No, it's, it's going to be a while. while. It's been a while, yeah. And actually, I think a good reason for doing this is we recently just finished our five-day HMO Property Duo Go Live, our first ever training course program that we ran with over five days, which took over a year to finish the five days because of COVID, which is crazy. Uh, And we had five site visits in it. And we thought, well, hold on a minute. You know, especially during the course of this, our views on stuff and your views on HMOs actually shifted, you know, a little. Um, And you sold some HMOs and made a very nice profit. And those are flips. You You did the work on them. And so we thought, why don't we talk about a strategy that we're both really liking at the moment? We've probably always liked and potentially is going to feature quite heavily in what we do moving forward. So James, what are we talking about? We're talking about flips, baby. It's all about flipping. Flipper. So uh, (laughs) well, how would we define a property flip? Buying to sell, right? Simply. Yeah, I would say so. You buy something, you might renovate it, you might add value to it. Um, It might just be as simple as buying it below market value and selling it on and flipping it and making a profit from the difference of buying to selling. Yeah, like kind of what people call trading. It's, you know, people do it all the time. You and I have purchased off the same trader. You know, I've purchased off traders before. A lot of people may have without actually realizing it because if you get something cheap enough, why would you deal with builders? You know, you get rid of it, right? Um, but we're going to talk about why you might deal with builders because of some of the figures that, you know, we're achieving here. So, James, you know, for, for someone starting out who has a cash pot of, say, 30 or 40K, if they go into the common route, which is like BRR or buy to let, that money's kind of spent. You get some of it back, but then you get 300 quid a month from one mm-hmm. house. I mean, do you think there's an alternative that includes flipping that they could do with that cash pot? Yeah, I think so. I think kind of, I don't know. I mean, 30K seems like 
it's not a great amount of money to start with, you know, and it's very easy to increase that money. And I think the easiest way to increase that money is by flips, because, you know, you're using that money to buy something and to generate more money. And in essence, all you're doing is making your pot bigger and bigger and bigger until you're at a point where you can invest that in a serious deal. Actually, I'm not saying that the deals people are investing in are not serious, but what I'm saying is it might be something that cash flows a lot better. It might be something that gives you higher returns. But to start with, if I had £30,000, I wouldn't want to lock it in for that period of time, only for £300, especially especially if I was starting. I'd want to lock it in for small periods of time, buy, sell, then maybe that 30 goes to 50. Then from 50, I do another one, it might go to 70. And then from 70, it goes to 100, 120. And, you know, depending on the area you're in, you could start to really build a, a kind of a nice big pot for yourself quite quickly. And I think it all depends on you as well. What do you actually want? Like you said earlier, do you want to be dealing with builders? Do you want to be deal- dealing with tenants? Or do you just want to, you know, be like a secondhand car salesman? You buy something, you advertise it, you do a bit of work to it, and you sell it. I'm not saying property is like that, but similar kind of process. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I say to a lot of people, right? It's like, I think we have this sort of preconceived thing about, okay, we got money, let's do buy to let because, you know, holding property, capital appreciation, oh, uncle has this property for 20 years and now he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But actually people just totally forget flips. And when you talk about it like this, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And you know what you said there about the pot going from 30 to 50 on your first flip, you know, it is achievable. Um, It's hard work. It's a lot of effort. There's a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into it and it takes a lot out of you. But, you know, the average UK salary is, well, London, I don't know, it's like 26 grand, right? Maybe it's like 22, 24 Mm -hmm. elsewhere. If you could generate just under that in one flip, there's some options here, right? Because you could do what you said, which is flip, 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 then cool, buy some buy-to-lets or flip and buy some buy-to-lets or quit your job, live off the 20, 25 grand you've generated. You've still got your original 30K, flip again cool now start doing vitalist now and you know what i mean so there's i think there's so many options here including flipping that it makes it quite a versatile strategy um for generating lumps of cash and of course the, one of the biggest benefits is you're in property like you're seeing yeah. agents you're doing viewings you're getting practice for later however you know the average flip james from getting the keys to getting it sold uh, you know takes how long I suppose it depends on the amount of work you're doing, you know, like, say, for example, the renovation I'm about to do, I'd like to think it's going to be finished in 12 weeks. And that includes an extension. But, you know, so many things can go wrong. So many things can go wrong along the way. So you really want to kind of plan it in. But I'd like to think 12 weeks to do the work if it's an extension based project. And then, you know, then you're at the mercy of the conveyancing gods, the solicitor gods. And God, they, these guys have got a calendar of their own. I think they don't even have a time spec that they work to, you know, they kind of just decide as and when they want to do stuff. So I think you're very much at the mercy of these guys as well. So it, it could take another two, three months before you've even sold it, unless you're really kind of watching this and being quite stringent with it to start with and saying, look, this needs to be an eight week completion, or it needs to be a six week completion and set that as a condition and make sure you've checked that the people have got mortgages before they come in to buy this and perhaps take a five grand lesser offer from someone so that you can sell it quickly and get your money back out. Because like you said, Ted, if somebody's left their job and they're relying on this money to live off, damn, if you haven't got this money come in and you've got commitments and bills, you're soon going to be in trouble. So you know, 
fact of this is it's not just the refurb time it's the bit after that people forget which is the most painful bit especially if you get eight nine weeks into a sale and then suddenly they say ah you know what i don't want it and then you're like oh my god and you've got to start the whole process again and, and probably reduce the price because at that point you've paid x thousands in investor finance or bridging loans you're just like uh can we get rid of it and it's I think it's a pathetic system in the UK that people can just drop out at that stage with no recourse. Um, I think in Scotland, it's like it's different. But again, you said it perfectly there. This is a part that no one talks about. Whenever people talk about flips, whenever people go on these courses, they all they say is, yeah, you do the refurb, blah, blah, blah. They don't go into any detail on the refurb. Do the refurb, list it with the agent, find three agents, get them in, pick the highest price, sell it, and then good to go. But it's like, no, 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 no you know, with COVID, local authorities are taking eight to 12 weeks to get searches back. And it's like, I swear this is all computerized. What are you doing? Um, and it's like they have, they work on dial up. And then solicitors are again, blaming COVID, stamp duty, blah, blah, blah. There's just so much like, and you can't control it. It's the worst part. Like you said, a builders, you can get someone new in, you can fire them. You can, with solicitors, it's like, send as many emails as you want, but the other side are going to piss you off no matter what. Um, and actually, that's why it's really important because I've got this right now with my buyers. It's really important to create a product that someone's going to fall in love with because if they're in love with it, they're going to be saying to their solicitor and their broker, um, hurry up. What are you doing? Like, we don't want to lose this. Whereas if they're like, it's nice, you know, it's one of, you know, yeah, okay. They'll drop out. Um, and James, like speaking of flips, what do you think? What would be the top three things that would make your flip stand out and sell quicker and sell better? Okay, so one thing that I often do is, you may have seen it with some of the other properties, or especially the new build, is actually, no, I wasn't so hard on social then. I always get a 3D CGI done. Now, the reason why I get that 3D CGI done is because I'm actually going to start marketing my flip before the work's even started, before it's even got into progress, by making sure photorealistic CGIs are pasted on the front of the house in some form of hoarding. I'm also going to send those out to local agents. I might even be bullshit enough to open a kind of open rent advert saying coming soon, you know. So my top tip is try and sell this thing or try and drum up so much interest in this thing before you've even started it. Because not only does it allow you to kind of, you know, potentially get somebody who comes along and says, you know what, I really like this. I'm going to give you £20,000 non-refundable holding fee. Now, that gives you even more confidence going into the project. So that's tip number one. I think tip number two with a flip is you really need to make sure you're thinking with your head and not with your heart, because it's very easy when you do a renovation project to think, oh, you know what? Those tiles are only £300 more, or that bath's only £200 more. And you look, I'm already at £500 more with two decisions. So you need to be very, very kind of on the ball with the figures. Yeah. Um, Sorry, before I even get to that flip bit, you want to make sure you know what your figures are before, like, you know, your associated figures that come on top of buying a flipping property, you know, because a lot of people don't understand the associated costs that go with buying a property. You know, you might see something advertised for 200 grand, and by the time you bought it, it's 230 grand or 227 grand or whatever it might be. There's a lot of people that forget that bit. So know your associated costs. Make sure you're doing something to sell this property before it's even gone on the market. So something like CGIs, speak to agents straight away, find out what kind of demand they've got in the area. What are people looking for? And from the information you get from the agents, then you can start to spec the house how you want. Like I had an agent tell me, James, 
there's no point you buying the garage at the back because nobody uses it he goes you're better off spending three four thousand pounds on paving the drive where people can park two to three cars he goes that's more desirable to someone so listen to a local agent who knows the area especially if the area is in demand and then thirdly like i was saying make sure you're staying on top of your figures don't let your heart control your head on this one because this is not something you're living in this is something you're flipping so you want to make sure you're making the most amount of money from it really good tips and i think the heart and head one is always tricky because you think with your head but when you think with your head you need to think like the buyer is thinking with their heart because when they walk in they're thinking oh stone worktop oh i love that color oh those tiles are so fancy and so you have to kind of think okay well how can i get their heart to say those things how can i get their heart to sing whilst using my head to get the right price to get the right finish to get the right quality to use anti slip tiles you know all I mean, there's so many details. Like, how can we make them see the vision and fall in love with it? And again, you know, sometimes you you know that extra three hundred quid, and you know, we'll talk about this in in more detail and other things. But like, you kind of sometimes have to make that decision and say, actually, you know what, it is X hundreds of pounds more. If I don't get this much more on it, fine, I lose three hundred pounds of profit. But it's a risk I'm willing to take because this source is next level. And I know that someone's going to fall in love with it. And so, you know, what? it is so tricky to get that balance. And unless you've done flips before and messed them up, which I have with the obvious stupid things, then you realize like the core fundamentals people are looking for. And it's not always the things you expect. Speaking to an agent again. Yeah. And even us, I think you and I would both prefer a drive to some dodgy garage at the back of a house. <laughs> right. Like, Do you know what, Ted? I was really amazed because as I started phoning agents, this one guy that phoned me back, he said to me, hi, James, I've been an agent in this area for just under 29 years. And I nearly fell off my chair. I thought, what? You've, you're you telling me you just covered this patch for 29 years and you haven't moved from your chair? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you know, I know the market inside out. And, you know, when he started saying to me at this point of the year, I should have 80 houses to sell or I should have 40 flats on the books and I've got eight houses and 60 families looking. He goes, stuff is going to bidding wars. You know, you're listing it for X amount. People are fighting each other. This person's fighting this person to have it. This person's fighting this person to have it. They know all the good schools. They know everything. So I think agent research is massive because when I was looking at comparables, I'm thinking, oh man, what have I done? You know, I'm I'm not going to make the profit that I wanted to make. And then suddenly 10 minutes on the phone to the agent and he is what I call boots on the ground. You know, he's there. He's got the clientele on his books and he knows exactly what he's talking about. So I think local agents, massive one, man, especially when you're doing flips. Yeah. And I think like it's, I think that's something that actually, yeah, good point is to do with flips quite specifically. Because when it comes to BR and revaluing, you know, it's kind of like, well, how does the surveyor feel that morning and how incompetent are they out of 10? You know, like, because, and it's really, really, really about sold comparables, square footage, square meterage comparison. That's it. I don't care if you've got marble worktop. It's it's yeah. about the size and that's mm. simple. But with a flip, it's like, oh, you got a marble worktop. I'll pay more for that. I would pay, me would pay more for that. And you right? can justify that. You can justify yeah. that to the people. You can say, look, here's a folder of receipts. I spent 10 grand on this kitchen. <laughs> you know, I'm not bullshitting you. This is marble. Mm. This is this. So you can actually justify it. And like you said, it's all about appealing to their heart. So the first thing is you're showing them, this is what I've created. Look, fall in love, fall in love, fall in love. If they don't, or you can reinforce it by saying, this is how much I spent. Look, you know, you don't have to do nothing. 
and and that's you know again it's the same thing kitchens you know my recent flip i put in a solid um wood ash kitchen you know just top of the mm. range from the manufacturer and i'd never put that in a rental because it's not as good maintenance that was a beautiful market. kitchen by the way it was really nice right dark green forest green and you, the real wood makes a big difference in frame shaker um on a reval the surveyor's literally not going to comment on that he'll literally say the condition is good there's not even a like you'll just say it's good it's acceptable it's yeah. comparable to other properties that no it's not me but in a flip Someone will walk in and and I told the agent, you need to tell him it's wood, it's got Bosch appliances. Again, surveyor doesn't care. You know, these things, these names, it makes a big difference um, to what someone's going to pay for it. And I suppose I enjoy flips more because you can spend more. You can throw on all this level of source because the person who buys it is going to look after it. You know, I yeah. use white grout in my flips. Now, I'd never, ever use it in a rental, but I know you're going to live there and you're going to pay this much for it with these beautiful big ass tiles you're going to keep it clean. Like it's not even yeah, a no question. Going on. Yeah. Um, and it looks better and you'll appreciate that. Um, obviously there's a few crossovers. Like we both use like hardy backer boards, moisture, you know, we use the proper boards, even in a flip, even though we're not keeping it, it does not affect me in five years. What the hell happens to that house? It generally doesn't affect yeah, my Yeah, but you've got a conscience, man, you know, you've exactly. got a conscience there. Exactly. And that's why I we do it. I think just off the back of the thing you said about the appliances, one thing I've done in the past is I said to people, I said, look, this appliance has a three-year on-site warranty, which basically means you are calling, like people rinsed me for using Howden's own brand, uh, Lamona or whatever it is. The reason why I used it was because I've used their warranty in the past and I know it's so good. And it is literally, if something goes wrong, you ring your local Howden store, an engineer is booked and they're there within 48 hours tops and they just swap it out. You know, and if you can tell somebody who's buying the house, say, look, your fridge is covered, your cooker's covered, your microwave's covered, your washing machine's covered. It's all covered under three years. So you've got complete peace of mind. These guys are going to be like, okay, you know, that's a huge saving in itself. It is. It is. And like, you know what? There's there's so many little details. I mean, they go into every strategy and property, but flips is like a level above like buy to let and BRRs because, you know, it, with a rental, you accept certain things because as a tenant, because you know you're renting it and you know you know you can make some change you know it's kind of mm, you're not spending 200 grand on this house you're not spending your life savings as a deposit so you're kind of like yeah you know it's cool like these things are fine but with a purchase whether your house is selling for 80 grand 200 2 million 10 million people are going to want what they want and that they expect a certain level so to you it might be like oh it's just a 200 grand low value flip but to them, that's all they can afford. And they're 40 years old and this is their end or be all their home forever. They need certain things. And so there's so much more to think about, obviously way more than we could cover, um, you know, in, in a podcast like this, which is why we actually are doing something really interesting um, on flips because James, you have just purchased, as you alluded to earlier, a flip in London. Well, Essex is it Essex. Yeah. No, no, it's actually London. It is the London borough, so it is. A oh London wow! Because I looked East on a map, London. and it's like next to Tottenham, isn't it? It's also it's kind of like north east. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of. Yeah, kind of Tottenham just sits on the border. Yeah, because I know it's close to Essex and actually close to Hertfordshire and stuff. Because I like looked at the map on that. So you bought a flip in London. Uh, how far is it from you where you live? It's about five miles from where I actually live myself. So about two hours in London traffic. Then. <laughs> <laughs> probably about 40 minutes probably about 40 minutes on a busy Leading time it, man walk quicker than that but um 
it's interesting because you know we did like the um the tpd five day thing on your last hmo in um east london and you know we're doing a similar thing which we'll kind of speak about at the end on your flip now in london because it makes sense and like i think what's really important is like because there's so much going on with flips when we can see it physically, right? Just like when you came to my flip around here, mm. you know, it's a 200 year old property. You know, we, you and I saw things there that we haven't seen before because it was so old and, and these interesting things and new types of bricks and no foundations and all sorts of stuff. Until you get there and you see it. And like when you came, you brought different ideas and thoughts. And so did everyone, like our friends, Mackenberg, they brought different ideas. And it really makes a big difference to see things. But we'll get back to that in a second. What sort of profit, because obviously we're, we're talking about why flips are so good. What sort of profit should this um, deal make you? Uh, this deal should make me about £60,000. Now, if it turns into a mad bidding war, then God knows what it will go for. But yeah, I'd say kind of mid-55s to 60s is is a good bet with it. And is it a kind of place where all the uncles want to live? Is it one of those kind of desirable no, places? No, no, it's not. Do you ah. know what? It is, it is one of those places which is actually on like a, a dead-end road there's a very sought after primary school at one side of the road, well, right at the end of the road. Then there's these catchment areas of um, uh, high schools. Now, what you've got to remember is where I've purchased this house is the next kind of best place to live after one of the most sought after places in East London where everybody wants to move to, but you just can't buy the house there. A comparable house in that area be £800,000. So not everybody can have that, but a mile and a half down the road or a mile down the road, you can get the same house for a lot, lot less. So it's a very desirable location. Yeah. So about 60 grand, you said, um, obviously, give or take the market could be more, could be slightly less in what we kind of say six to eight months. But really, it should be six months, um, especially given you know how many projects you've managed and how you've done them. I know you have to find a new build team, which is going to be interesting to, to watch potentially. But you know, six months, 60 grand, um, two of those a year. Um, That's a pretty decent living, man. And really, you're only working like working really hard for sort of half of that because, you know, three months refurb, three months refurb, the rest of it, you're just pissing around with solicitors. Obviously, there's a process to that, which can be explained. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to speed that up and, and checks. There's so many checks for your buyer that, again, agents won't do for you. But that's a very good salary. Yeah, I mean, and, and based on what you just said there, let's say I did two or somebody did two a year and they had £120,000. And you compare that to somebody who's earning £120,000. Now, look, the main difference is the person who's earning £120,000 is going to get his money once the taxman, everybody, all the deductions have been 40%, paid. 40%, of that level. Whereas when you're in property, you've got the money there and obviously you've got you're in property, you've got a great accountant around you, you're going to earn far more or you're going to end up keeping far more of that money than somebody who's in the salary as well. So you know what? I think that's a point that people never really cover either, like comparing a big salary to comparing profits from property. It's going to be different in terms of what you put back in your pocket as well each month or each each flip. And, and you know, again, you could, you know, re- realistically, you're not selling a dream here. That's, that's for, you know, other uh, people to do. Um, <laughs> but you could work for half of the year technically and the other half when it's in legals and stuff and on the market and whatnot, which it shouldn't be on the market for long. My latest flip was on the market for 24 hours and we got an offer of 20 way 25%, over asking. yeah way over asking um so you know if you do it correctly with a flip 
ain't gonna be on the market for long. But in that period, there's nothing stopping you going to Ibiza. <laughs> there's nothing stopping you sitting in Bali and doing what you want because you know that's the beauty of flips. And hey, if you did two flips at the same time, you know, like concurrently two refurbs, and they were both in, then again, you you've actually got more time off. Yes, it, for those three or four months, it's going to be incredibly stressful and incredibly difficult. But it doesn't always have to be because if you get a project man, you know, there's so many levels to this, right? Yeah, but you've got to think about it. What happens once everything comes to fruition? You know, once those six months of pain are over. Well, you put it in Dogecoin like you and make money and then lose it the next day. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I think like, um, but, you know, it's a really good point, though. When it comes to it, you forget all that hard work and you're like... Cool. That was that was interesting. You know what, Ted? This is a good example. You just mentioned Dogecoin. Like a lot of people on the crypto bandwagon, you know, you we're invested into crypto as well. But look, at the end of the day, what are people trying to do with crypto? They're trying to grow their pot. So if they've put 10 grand in, they're trying to grow it, they're trying to grow it, they're trying to grow it. But they can't flipping control that market. You know, there's absolutely no, there's no kind of certainty of what's going to happen. You know, somebody makes a tweet and before you know it, your wallet's exploded, you got no money, you know. If you were doing it in property, yes, it's 10 times more stressful. Yes, it's going to be more pain for you. But you know, logically, you can predict where it's going, you know, so you could build your pot, bang, 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 right? You might compare it to someone in crypto. Theirs might go way up to start with, and then it might just sit there and it might kind of bottom out, whereas you're taking steady steps. And I think it's that whole story of the, what was it, the tortoise and the hare. You know, one is going to climb massively and one slow and steady steps. And it does. It gives you that freedom. It gives you that income that you want. And there's so many people. Look, every time we train with someone or we mentor with someone, what's the first thing they say to you? I want to get into property because I want freedom or I want to leave my job. They're the two things I always hear. I want to leave my job. Look, if you want to leave your job, you want to get down to this flip course and work out how it can be done. And we can show you all the steps on how we can get you there, you know, and that's the reason why we put it together. And as our friend D, big up D Ludlow, Mr. Crypto, who has made us a lot of money actually with his crypto recommendations. I have to say the percentages are looking mad right now. Um, Gently gets the Bentley, right? So, you know, there you go. It's that kind of slow thing. So yeah, James, as you mentioned, uh, you know, as we kind of close off the podcast, we are running a flip weekender. Yeah, um, it's going to be it's going to be an early start. It's going to be a late finish. Uh, we're doing Saturday and Sunday, and we have the date, which is the sixteenth and seventeenth of October. It's going to be in London, probably East-ish London. Um, but Look, you haven't be... mentioned the you haven't mentioned the best what's thing. The main, what's the main part? What's the main part? What have Listen, I forgot? Man, the, the, the food, the food sauce. Come on, I'm man. only there for the food. Like I, you know what I mean. The, the people came to the last one just for the food. I'm sure they didn't even care about HMO. They were like, <laughs> you know what? I'm here for this. So yeah, we're having our infamous or famous uh, three course meals from our local providers. James knows East London's finest uh, purveyors of food, and um, also what I think is really unique, and which is kind of also, the timing is perfect because you've just got this flip um, and we're going to be quite near the flip is we're doing four site visits. Right. So one, you know, on that weekend and the rest are other times. Right. All on weekend so that, you know, everyone can come. People are going to get to see this go from absolute shithole to be stripped out, to be first fix, second fix, to be blue grid, um, boarded, plastered, hardy boarded, second fix, second fix, final fix, paint. Is it going to be sprayed? Is it going to be rolled? You know, staging, digital step. They are going to see every single stage, you know, the soil pipe that hasn't got the right fall, 
you know, the lintel is missing above your front door. Like, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're going to get to see all the disasters. They're going to get to experience <laughs> everything that goes wrong because there are things that are going to go wrong. And like you say, when there's problems, you're going to get to see these problems firsthand and you're going to see how someone like myself and Ted deals with it. And we're, you know, we're experienced guys and we still have problems. So don't let someone tell you, you know, this isn't sit down in a classroom, read from a book or someone with, you know, loads of slides and they're showing you. We're actually going to reinforce this on site and show you what Blue Grit is. We're going to show you what Dab and Dot is. We're going to show you what skimming is, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to show you what First Fix is. All these terms fly around. I don't think a lot of people know what they mean. So it's the most painful area for most people, which is refurb, trades and finding the team. And this flip course has got a massive focus on that area. And we're going to have two guest speakers. One of them is actually going to be, I think I, I haven't told James who it is yet, but I'm thinking of getting someone in uh, who is a project manager, um, does consultancy for new build, has worked on million, I think it might be billions of pounds of real estate um, and is going to talk with us about all sorts wow. of project management stuff, planning stuff, the detail, the contracts. Like He is an absolute geek. Um, and I've seen his refurbs. He does them incredibly cheap, incredibly well because of his PM skills. And our second guest speaker is yet to be decided, but potentially a London investor who makes six figures on their flips. Um, another thing is, you know, a lot of property courses just say, so get a builder, tell them what you want, and then yeah, sell it. And if you know me and James, you know, we are actually really passionate about construction. Like we're gazers, do you know what I mean? Down mm. the pub talking about screws and drills. That. Drills, yeah. I've got Makita, how about you, mate? Day Walt. Um, you know, we, we like, we love construction and we love understanding this because we both know and you'll know as well that when you understand as much as you can, you're not an expert, you're not a builder. When you understand as much as you can, it makes life so much easier because no one can overprice you. No one can talk shit about materials. No one mm -hmm. can not put in a DPC on your extension and say, oh, we don't need it. It's 2021, you know, air and stuff. You know, they can't use a, put a waterproof render on and forget one key ingredient in that, right? And say, oh, yeah, it's waterproof. But you forget this one key ingredient, right? This one little powder and it's not waterproof. What happens then? Your whole building's sweating and soaking. If you know what to do, you'll tell them this, right? And by the way, that one mistake of it not being waterproof will cost you genuinely thousands of pounds for a normal extension to hack it off and re-render it properly and then fix the internal damp. So it's little things like that, James, which I think a lot of people don't understand. And they look at the price of education or the price of a book or anything, but they don't just say, hold on a minute, three or four avoided mistakes here means I'll save this amount and probably make this amount fivefold. Um, so I think that's really important to highlight is we are heavy on the refurb element. And of course, you know, James, we both have bought funky deals. You've done a planning uplift before where you made, how much did you make on the, um, was it Croydon one? About 105 grand on that. And you did you just did planning, right? So paperwork. We just, just literally did the planning. We bought the shop slightly under market value, um, did the planning for it and thought, you know what? We're not going to bother making this. We'll just sell it. It had enough profit in it to be sold. So we sold it. There we go. And if you did do the work, it would actually make even more money. Um, and like, you know, with my latest flip that I've purchased, I'm making money directly from legal issues that I'm fixing for my neighbors. But I've also, the whole deal worked really well because of pff, three or four different legal issues, which, you know, I talked James through and, and people on my site visit. And it's quite mind boggling that instead of just looking for a shithole, you should be looking at other types of refurbishment, other types of value add. So there's so much we're going to cover, you know, as an overview, you know, James, we're going to cover finding the deal, securing the funding, getting the funding, pushing it through legals, dealing with the estate agent, doing direct to vendor, then the actual refurbishment, which days and days, you know, there's so much talk about there. 
all the way to picking an agent and picking a buyer and vetting the buyer and then how to push that through and how to get your solicitors through and how you can actually potentially use some of your searches to avoid then them taking six months or whatever to get the next one. So we are going to cover everything. Um, so please uh, get in contact with me, get in contact with James, send us a DM, send us an email, and we'll send you the information pack. We'll send you some testimonials from our last five day. We'll even send you their Instagram tags. Go and speak to them um, and and see what they thought of that. But uh, yeah, James, I'm really excited for this flip weekend because flipping, I love flips. I absolutely love flips. And it's all I'm doing now, really. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. I wanted to do something different as well. Don't get, I love HMOs, but I just think the capital that needs to go into them is so huge. And you know, one thing I wanted to say as well, you know, like you said earlier on when we started, it's all good having a buy to let that earns you 200 quid or 300 quid a month. Now that might only give you 3,000 pounds or two and a half thousand pounds a year. If you can get in and out within 12 weeks and then 30 grand or 40,000 pounds, surely, surely that makes more sense then leaving your buy to let to earn you that over eight, nine, 10 years. And if you're in an area where there's no capital appreciation or my, or very little capital appreciation, what the hell are you doing? You know, you could do four or five of these in the next couple of years. And before you know it, it looks totally different to buy to lets. You know, you've got a pot, you've got the lifestyle, you've got the car that you want. And I think people don't, they don't look at it as a, as serious enough as they should do, I think. Yeah, I agree. And look, you know, we've both made money from flips. I've lost money on flips. I've, I've done it totally incorrectly. And, you know, the numbers you're mentioning there, you know, as people get more experience, you know, the profits become six figures. You don't have to be in London. I, I'm in Hertfordshire and there's places around here you can make more than six figures. We both know guys actually locally who are making more than six figures on their flips. In fact, I've got videos with them and I've seen them and they are just flips. Mm. Flip, they did an extension, fine but they're flips. And so, yeah, when you're starting out, I think flips are fantastic. And even as you carry on, you know, I know people who just consistently do flips. Um, again, me and James, we have tenants, you know, we have portfolios. So therefore we are kind of coming at this with a balanced view, but I think when you're starting out flips, I think we need to flip the script literally um, and, and start talking about flips. So yeah, cool people get in touch with me and James, you know how to do it. Instagram, tedge.talks, James, uh, James H. Sahota at James H. Sahota. And send us an email, whatever you need to do, send us a message. You know, listen, there's no obligation. Have a look at the pack. Any questions, set up a Zoom call. Um, let's do it. We need 15 to 20 committed people. Yeah, James, and, I think that's kind of... Last line, ultimately, you got to remember, there's no one running a course like this where there is a live site where you get to experience live site experience. And I think from the HMO day, the guys that did this, I mean, we had experienced investors who have five, six, seven HMOs, mm. have a big portfolio. And even they said the value came from the site days and the reinforcement in the classroom the time before we got to site. So just bear that in mind. There's huge value from being on site and learning hands-on. Definitely. And actually, good point on that. I charge like 150, 180 quid for one site visit, right? When I come to my sites normally, you times that by the four we're doing, I'll let, I'll let people do the maths. And then when they see the information pack, you know what I mean? I'll let them calculate the value on it. But uh, James, let's leave it there. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll bring the duo, the two people podcasting uh, back in some sort of mini series soon. Yeah. Great stuff, Titch. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.